Hello and welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host, and as always, we are here to equip, encourage, and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory in these incredible days. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. Um, looking forward to our podcast today. This is our 52nd week of doing podcast, and so man, what a great year it's been for us here at Gritty Company and the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm so excited uh, for all of you guys that have taken part and joined in and um, a part of this community of brothers and looking forward to meeting many of you throughout this next year and um, sharing with you some incredible fun and uh, engaging things that we're prepared for uh, 2024. So looking forward to it. So Merry Christmas to you and your family and a blessed 2024, guys. Um, I want to just spend a few moments with you as we wrap up this year of podcast and during this Christmas season, um, we really could summarize it all with one word. We could summarize it with the word Emmanuel. And we learned that in Matthew chapter one, in response to what we uh, see um, in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, um, that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son and his name would be called Emmanuel. And then in Matthew chapter 1, as the angel now is meeting and discussing what's going to happen and sharing with Joseph what's taking place um, with Mary, the fact that she's conceived and her son that she has conceived is by the Holy Spirit. And he is in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah seven fourteen, which means Emmanuel. And this is beautiful, men. But it is God with us. That's really the entire um, wrap-up of what we're celebrating, not only this time of year, but throughout the year. And not only is God with us in His first coming in, in the incarnation, where He is fully God and fully man, but we know that at the ascension, He sent the Spirit of God, and now at salvation, we have God in us by the Holy Spirit. And so... You're, you're going to run into some maybe some questions around this time of year. It's a great opportunity as you sit down with your families and you read the story and maybe even go over that account in Matthew's gospel um, of the coming of Christ and the pronouncement of Christ by Gabriel, the uh, messenger angel of God. But I want to just, um, just set in your heart and your mind this real amazing truth. And for us as Christian men, we may not have um, a trouble understanding this, but the incarnation is absolutely incredible. And the plan of redemption was calculated, planned, and scripted by God before the foundation of the world. And I just want to answer the question that so many people may be asking this time of year, and that is the question of, who is Jesus? Um, the world is pretty comfortable with the humanity of Christ. But they go off the rails when we start speaking of His divinity. The fact that Jesus Christ is the God-man. That He's fully God and He's fully man. And there is a, um, there's false teaching out there that would teach that Jesus Christ um, became and existed at the point when he was born. That is a lie. Scripture teaches us emphatically that not only was Jesus Christ here before the foundation of the world, 
but Jesus Christ is God. Now, yes, he was born and conceived of the Virgin Mary, but Jesus Christ in his divinity, he is God and he has always been. He is eternal. And so <clears throat> as you approach individuals this time of year, you'll find that many are comfortable with his humanity. In fact, those that, that are adherents to the religion of Islam, which is one of the world's largest religions, um, Muslims do not deny the humanity of Jesus Christ. In fact, um, many of them would believe, along with the teachings of uh, Islam, that Jesus Christ is one of God's highest ranking and most beloved prophets. Now, he does not supersede um, the rank of Muhammad, but he is one of the all-time greatest prophets of God. And so they consider Jesus neither to be the incarnation nor the Son of God because the text that they have in the Quran, they are monotheistic. And so many Muslims think that Christians, that they serve a triune God or a, excuse me, a, they serve three gods. We don't. We serve one God in three persons. Buddhism also believes that Jesus was an enlightened man and teacher. They don't deny that. They believe that the humanity of Christ was real. He existed. Hinduism, likewise, Jesus was a holy man and a wise teacher. And we can go on and on and on and on. But the reality is, guys, Jesus Christ, he is God And I want to show you that in Scripture and give a biblical defense of why this is true. Now, God reveals to us through His Word that He and He alone is God. He is God, one God, who exists eternally in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God is one, existing in three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit always have been, always will be. They are eternal. There has never been a time when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit did not exist. For God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are each fully God in essence identical, not inferior in any way to one another, yet within the Godhead, that's being one God, where Scripture says God is one. They are distinct in the function within the Godhead, acting, though, in perfect and total, complete unity. Jesus Christ, men, He is the God-man, fully, 100% God and fully 100% man. He is the God-man. Now, lots of heresy groups deny the divinity of Christ. I'm not going to go down a list of all those that are, but there are many out there that are. Now, I want to just look at some scripture here. <clears throat> and, and you can go all the way back uh, to Genesis chapter 1, okay? In Genesis chapter 1, we, we read these words. Then God said, who is speaking? God is speaking. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So God is speaking. God is speaking and God says, let us. Now that's plural. 
God singular, one God. Now we see plurality in what? Three distinct persons. God says, let us make man in our, in who? In God's image. Let's us, let us, God speaking, make man in our image. God is speaking and God says us and lets us make man in our image. God is making man in the likeness and image of God. That's incredible. God is speaking in terms of plurality here, not that there's three gods. There's one God in three distinct persons within the triune Godhead. So, in John 1, 1 through 14, guys, write this down. Come back later. You can list it. In John 1, 1 through 14, we read these words by the Apostle John. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W. We're going to learn who the Word is. We know the Word is Jesus Christ, the second person of the one God, the second person of the triune God. One God, three persons. Listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We're reading this. In the beginning, and the Word was God. Here's something incredible that you need to know. We just read Genesis chapter 1. We're speaking of the beginning because we're now in the creation account. And what we find is in the beginning, the Word was present, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is incredible. It goes right along with Genesis chapter 1. The Word, as we're going to learn, is the creator. And we read in Genesis chapter 1 that God says, let us make, that is creation, man in our image. Well, who did the creating? We're going to learn. He was in the beginning. Speaking of a he, that's a pronoun, individual, pointing to someone. He, who was in the beginning, who is the word, who was with God, and who is God, he made all things. He's the creator of all things. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Here's interesting truth. You have people like the Jehovah's Witness and others who say, well, Jesus Christ was born, and when he was born, he came into existence. No, Jesus Christ is the creator, and everything that was created was created by him. God did not create a creator because the created one, that doesn't make sense because it says here that the word who is God, who is with God in the beginning, the word himself, what? There was nothing made that was made. There, excuse me. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So there was nothing created that was created that the creator, Jesus Christ, did not create. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> I'm glad it does. And so we learn this incredible truth. And then it moves on down here in John chapter 1. He says, and the word, who's the word? Jesus Christ. He is God. He's the second person of the triune Godhead. One God, three distinct persons, each equally God, but distinct in the function of the way in which they operate within the Godhead. And we're going to see this throughout scripture. It is the plan of redemption that was scripted and planned before 
before the foundation of the world in um, Ephesians chapter 1. This is all God's plan. So listen to what it says. And the Word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen to this. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. And the Word is God in John 1. The Word was with God in John 1, 1, and the Word created all things. He created all things, and here we see the Word becomes flesh, and He dwells among us, and that is the incarnation of the God-man. That is God taking upon Himself flesh and coming and living and dwelling among His creation for the sole purpose of Colossians 1, to redeem all things in heaven and on earth to himself through the blood of the cross. It's redemption. That's the whole purpose of why God came. And there's no other way in which mankind could have been saved and redeemed because Adam, the first man, gave it all up when he was usurped and obeyed Satan. And Satan received the title deed to the earth and has been ruling and reigning under what the superiority of the sovereignty of God but he has a rightful place taking from Adam what was rightfully given to him to rule and to reign and subdue and have authority over the earth. Jesus Christ, we know in Scripture, he is the second Adam. And he has come that he would redeem what was lost in the father of all humanity. And in Adam, all sin, all die. But in Christ, all are made whole and receive righteousness. It is this incredible, beautiful, magnificent mystery of God that we can't even comprehend. It's, a, it's amazing. So, we see these incredible truths. Let me read this to you out of Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 through 20. Yeah, I get a little excited about these things because it's absolutely so incredible. And we want to be able to be these kind of men who are able to defend the true doctrines of Christ in this world, especially against those who would come against these teachings who call themselves Christian. We want to be able to point these things out in order they could understand and they could be um, they can be saved. Listen to this. He, speaking of Christ in Colossians 1, Paul wrote this. He is the image of the invisible God. We know that God is what? Spirit. We know that. He's not like the Mormons teach that God was made of flesh and bone in the beginning and we have heavenly mother and they have spirit children and all these things begin to go and finally they get to be God status and have their own planet and you know the, the, the craziness of all this. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, one God, three persons, he's the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn among creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created not only through him, but they were created for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. All things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in him he might be what? preeminent in all things. That word preeminent is so very important because some people are going to say, oh, there you go. You see that? He was what? The firstborn. 
They don't understand that the word being used here, that we can see also in the Old Testament, if we break these things, it is the word preeminent. It's the word preeminent. That word preeminent is a very, very, very important word. Preeminence is, is a very, very important word. The word preeminent means this. The eternal Logos who possesses self-existence. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. And so when someone takes you to Colossians chapter 1 and says, Oh, see here? Jesus Christ is not God. He's the Son of God, and He was born, and He came to be at His birth. That is a lie from the pit of hell. No, Jesus Christ, although He did in His humanity come and take upon flesh, Jesus Christ in His divinity has always been and always will be. He is God, and He created all things. He is the eternal Logos, the Word, and He possesses self-existence. Only God does that. So that's important for you to know and for you to understand. Very, very important. So, we know that Christ created all things in heaven and on the earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Him, think about this, and for Him. He, Christ, is before all things. In Christ, all things hold together. In Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Here's what we need to know, men. When your kids ask you about who is Jesus, he is God and man. But Jesus Christ was eternal. He is eternal, not was. He is eternal. If you read in Revelation... Let me just take this, just thinking about this as we're going through this. If you go to Revelation, go to the very back of it here, 22. Let me get there. Revelation chapter 22. There's some pretty fascinating things that I want to read to you here. Jesus Christ is speaking, and he says, Behold, I am coming soon. I'm in 12 of chapter 22. Bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of you for what he's done. Listen to this. Jesus Christ says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and I am the last, the beginning and the end. That's what Jesus Christ said. And then Jesus Christ says this in 16 of the same chapter of 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about the, these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bridegroom say, come and let everyone who hears come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires to take of the water of life, let him come. Right. Um, Jesus Christ here makes it very, very clear that he is the alpha. He is the omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. And he is the end. He is God. He is eternal. OK, so I want you to be able to explain these things to your kids in order that they're able to defend their faith in what they believe, because there are heresies out there that would like to lead them astray, okay? It's important that we understand that. In John chapter 118, you can write this down. Jesus says, no one has ever seen God. Now listen to this verse. The only God who is at the Father's right or the Father's side. Now listen, did you catch that? 
No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Well, who is at the Father's side? Jesus Christ. He has made him known. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ, God, came and took upon flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the second person. He always has been, always will be. He is eternal and he is God. His function within the Godhead, though, is different. And he operates in that function. In John 8, 58, listen to this. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We know that when Moses was, was to go and meet with the, the people of Israel enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt, when God sent Moses, God said, Moses said to God, Who is it that I am to tell them has sent me? And that we, the response was, God says, I am that I am. Jesus Christ here says this. When they ask him, who are you, Jesus? He says this. Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. He says, I'm God. I am the I am. In Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this and say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jesus said, I am. I am the I am. I am God. Now, in John chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas, in response to encountering the resurrected Lord, he says this, speaking of Christ, Thomas says these words, my Lord and my God. Acts 20, 28. <coughs> Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is Paul talking to the elders in Ephesus as he's making his way towards Jerusalem. And then finally he'll go to Rome um, and he's never going to see these men again. Um, he says, I won't ever see you again. He's trying to make sure the elders of Ephesus, they have an understanding that there's going to be those that will come in and they will try to disrupt the flock and they need to protect the flock. And so he says this, you're an overseer, right? That's what he's talking to these elders in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Listen to this. This is so important. The church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. God obtained the church with his blood. Who did? Jesus did. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's the second person of the triune Godhead. Just as in Genesis 1, we see plurality, not three gods, but we see th plurality in the Godhead. God says, let us, our, and we're going to see this in Scripture, throughout Scripture. You're going to see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit present in bringing about redemption, present in the way in which we um, know that Christ is interceding for us, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us, and God the Father. We have all these incredible truths. Um, here's another one. In Romans um, Chapter 8, 9, 5 says, To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ 
who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. That's Romans chapter 9, verse 5, written by the Apostle Paul, speaking of Israel, talking about has God abandoned Israel? And then, you know, Paul goes into these incredible truths, and he says, To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, speaking of Jesus, who is God over all. Paul knew that Jesus Christ was God. And we have these heresies today and these groups that are trying to, to, to disrupt and to, um, to falsely teach these erroneous teachings, and it's irritating. So we need to be able to use Scripture to prove these points. Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing, listen, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, He is our great God. And we are waiting for the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is God, okay? In 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 3.15-16 If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave. In the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth, great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifest in the flesh. Who? God was. Vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in to glory. And so we see here that this is speaking of God, the second person, the triune Godhead. Um, so speaking of the household of God, the church of the living God, he was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. It's important. God is identified as Christ once again by the apostle Paul. Here we go. Hebrews 1.8. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, speaking of the Son. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So God the Father is speaking of the Son, and in speaking of the throne of God, which is the throne of Christ, it is forever and ever. And that Jesus Christ, the Son, He is God. Okay? Very clear. In 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. That's 1 John 5.20. John once again affirms that Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. In Philippians 2. 5 through 11. I'm just giving you scriptures, guys, for you to use when you um, need to defend this and when you want to teach your children about who Christ is. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. What is this? Jesus Christ, he is eternal. 
Yes, he took upon flesh and was born of a virgin, born by the Spirit of God. He did enter as in humanity through birth, but he was what? Fully God, fully man. But he's eternal. Fully God, fully man. The God-man. It's the only way redemption could have happened. He had to be fully God, and he had to be fully man to, to what? To reverse what Adam did, the first Adam, Christ the second Adam, came to redeem and to what? To reclaim. He's done this, and it's incredible. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. How long have I been, men? I don't want to lose you here because I know there's a lot of scriptures this time. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, oh, excuse me, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus Christ, he left heaven, as we read in Philippians, he leaves the glory and the splendor and the majesty of heaven. We can't even understand or comprehend what this must have been for God to do this. And he takes on his humanity. He's born in flesh. And what? He sets aside things, but he's going to be what? Elevated to those things. And he takes on the form of a servant or a slave, and he becomes obedient even to the point of death. See, the Father wills and the, and the Son performs in obedience. The Father wills, the Son does the will of the Father. We see this all through Scripture. Jesus Christ was in the form of God, okay? That is um, that word morphe. Um, in Colossians 2, 9, here it is. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells, fully God, fully man. Can't be any clearer than that. So, guys... On this particular podcast, as we come to this time of year, there's a lot of discussion about, about Jesus. But here's what we want to make sure that we're very, very clear on. We know through Scripture that our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the, the reason there's so much celebration is because Emmanuel, God, is with us. This is an incredible thing. It's it's not just a God, it's not just a man, but God is with us. And that Jesus Christ, in doing what he did, made the only means possible whereby men might be reconciled unto God. It's, it's the greatest, most incredible. In fact, we read where the angels they long to look into these things. It, it, it must have seemed as if, if, if the enemy had somewhat been victorious. But no, he wasn't victorious. Because a created being cannot outknow the Creator, the Infinite, the Almighty One. And God's plan, He set forth in Christ before the foundation of the world. This is incredible. Let me read this to you one more time. 
out of Ephesians. And then we're going to close this Christmas message to you guys. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me read this to you one more time. What, what an incredible passage. Guys, if you could memorize Ephesians 1 this year, what an incredible passage for you to just to have in your heart that you, could, that you can quote any time. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. See, God's plan of redemption was not something that needs to be changed throughout history because man's failing or the enemy's success. No, God's plan has been set forth and scripted and planned before the foundation of the world. That means before anything else was created, when God was self-existent in perfection, needing nothing. God set forth his plan. This is incredible. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has lavished on us or blessed us in the beloved in him that's in Christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight God is incredible making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan. Isn't this beautiful? For the fullness of time to unite all things to himself in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." What a mighty God we serve, men. What an incredible God we serve. This God set forth as a plan in Christ before the foundation of the world. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, eternally existent, in complete and total unity, perfection. They, the Godhead, God in three persons, set forth this plan before the foundation of the world. It was scripted. It was planned. It was, in, it was perfect. And even the fullness of time, everything will be according to the dictates of God's will, his, his forethought, his planning. It will happen according to exactly the way in which he intends it. And listen to me. 
No one can thwart the plan of Almighty God. Let me read this to you quickly and we'll close. In Isaiah chapter 46, love Isaiah 46. I want to read to you verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. And this is beautiful. Declaring the end from the beginning. God set forth his plan in Christ before the foundation of the world. God's plan is always been plan A. And plan A is happening exactly according to the will and plan and forethought and will and purpose and desire of God. This is incredible. When you think about Christ coming, Emmanuel, it was God's plan scripted before the foundation of the world. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. This is in perfection according to the sovereignty of Almighty God. He is powerful and he is worthy of praise. Listen to this, though. I am God, there's none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And then he moves down. He says, I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. Guys, as we come to this season of celebration, the Emmanuel, that God is with us. And what all that means for us as Christian men. I just wanted to share with you some truths here that might help you better explain to your children and to your family the incredible nature of the incarnation and what it means in the redemptive plan of humanity. And that God set forth this plan before the foundation of the world. What a mighty God we serve. 2024 for king and kingdom. And may God bless you and may you have a very Merry Christmas.